Okay, let's. Morning, we're going to hit the ground running in Luke 2, uh, and I'm going to be reading a big chunk of it. So, Luke 2, 21 through 40. If you want to hop over there and track with me, you can. If not, I'm going to be reading it in IV. So, again, that's Luke 2, and we're going to be reading 21 through 40. Let me give you a second to get there. So many wonderful faces in the room. Okay. Luke 2, 21 through 40. Here we go. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, Jesus, as the angel had given him before he was For the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the fall and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be, sp- and to be, a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and uh, then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and and the grace of God was on him. Okay, so Simeon had been given a promise from the Lord that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he died. What a promise. That's pretty incredible. Simeon also had to hold on to that promise until he saw it happen in his life. Let's run through that scenario for a second. I know there's promises in the Word of God. I know that Psalms 4.8 declares, I will lie down and sleep in perfect peace, for you alone, O Lord, cause me to dwell in safety. That's a promise. So what do we do with that? 
So say I'm at home and I'm not getting rest, right? It's a blatant attack from the enemy. It's not because I watched something I shouldn't have and left the door open spiritually. It's just a blatant attack of the enemy. There's just the restlessness over the home. We take that promise to the bank. And at night before I lie down and sleep perfect. And in the middle of the night when the devil takes me up to rob me of peace, I get up and I say, Lord, I will lie down and sleep in perfect peace for you alone cause me to dwell in safety. And in the morning when I wake up tired because I didn't get sleep, I declare it again. Lord, I will lie down and sleep in perfect peace for you alone cause me to dwell in safety. It's the truth of his word. He's my high tower, my shelter, my refuge, my hiding place. I can stand on that promise for how long? Until it stops. When's it going to stop? When you don't. The word declares that if you stand and resist the devil, he will flee. Right? He will flee. So I stand and I continue to stand. Okay, so that's what we see happening where we're making a promise and we're holding on to it. And sometimes it feels like it's going forever. When does it stop? Well, when you don't. One thing I've learned about time, it's this, it passes, but how I've spent it stays. There's hard times in life where you take a hold of a promise and you stick with it until you see it happen, until you see it fulfilled, because there's a strength and authority at the end of that season that was because you stood on the truth until it was a part of who you are. That's what we do with truth when God is speaking to us, whether it's in a whether it's coming from his word in a sermon, whether it's during worship, whether it's your quiet time at home, your time with God on the way to whatever it is, when God is speaking to you, we take it back to scripture. Okay, yeah, this is what God is saying. All right. So because I find it in here, I'm going to stand on it until I see it in my life. We're not just meant to take notice of it. We're meant to take hold of it. It's supposed to be a part of you, and it's supposed to be a part of me. Here's the deal. We know where to go to get inspired. We know where to go to get trained. We know where to go to hear the this and the that and the word, and it's great, and I'm moved. And we know where to go where to get that. The challenge is... Knowing how to stand still until it's a part of you. Anybody can go hear someone that moves, but God's not calling us to that. He's calling us to take that truth, to get it to move you, to get it to bring you into transformation. Okay, so that's, that's essentially what process is. Ooh, yeah, let's go. I got a, I got a fun verse we're going to read. Okay, uh, let's see. And let's go to... Okay, let's go to John. You can turn there. John 15, 1 through 5. One through five. I'm not going to give you as much time as I did in the beginning, but John 15, I'll race you there. John 15, 1 through 5. Okay, I'm there. Too bad. Here we go. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. Neither you, sorry, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. Process is taking that truth and holding on to it. God works in the end suddenly. We see that in scripture, and that's amazing. God also works in process. The continual yes, the consistent yes, the steadfast yes over time. God works in both. In that long drawn out time, when I'm continually saying yes, that lifestyle, it generates the closeness, the questions, the change of heart that's needed to require more and more of who God is. The situation itself generates what helps you lean on God and draw you closer to him. Okay, so we know process is a thing, but every time we talk about process, we should talk about pruning because the two go hand in hand. I know which one we're not a fan of. Uh, Some might say both, but I say this. Process is your friend. It really is. And pruning, did you know you have a part to play in that? How your attitude and your heart actually affects the benefit of the pruning or not? Let's start with pruning. What is pruning? Pruning is the cost of your obedience. Simply put, that's the cost. When you're little, it looks like you're with friends. Someone does something they're not supposed to. An apparent authority figure comes over and goes, hey, who did this? And everybody lies, but you tell the truth. Clip, 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 clip. That's pruning because now they'll look at you differently. Maybe they won't be your friends anymore. Maybe they'll start rumors about you or, or talk about you or you're recognizing things being pruned off because pruning is the cost of your obedience to the truth of the word. Your attitude and your heart will affect if you're going to bear fruit or if you're going to wither on the vine. Because what happens is, is there's that, that feeling of I did what's right. I place some trust and vulnerability in who God is. But now how I feel, how people are treating me differently, and just there's a tendency and a temptation to withdraw to maybe not be so bold next time, to maybe not stand on the truth so firmly, and you'll wither. When you've done all that you can do, stand. That's God's stance on it. You stick with it. You hold on to it. Pruning and process go hand in hand. And it's up to you if you're going to continually be pruned. Am I going to continue to do the right thing, God? Am I going to continue to follow your plans for my life? Even when it puts me at a disadvantage, even when it doesn't seem like the best choice by my standards, by my intellect, by my wisdom, by my knowledge, I have a feeling that when I God, that's what he hears when I go down that road, uh, because it's God. He just speaks it. God doesn't show up for our sermons. Did you know that? I'm not teaching him anything new. He comes for the worship, because that's where the hearts are. That's where the pruning happens. That's where he gets to come in and do what he does best. He doesn't come for my teaching or any of our teachings. He comes for your hearts. He comes for worship. Okay, so pruning. Pruning and process, they're your friends. Because the more you say yes to God, the more you step into calling and identity. Yeah, yeah, Demystifying this. It's not this big arcing thing you have to get figured out. You just need to say yes and be obedient so God can prune you. And the more you stay on that track, the more you begin to look like, 
sound like and behave like what you were born for in Christ. It's how you find it. It's just obedience to God. You don't need it all figured out. You just need to be obedient. And he'll prune you. He'll begin to shape you. And you'll begin to sound and look like what you were made for. Pastor Ryan said this great quote last week. I wrote it down. I loved it. Pastor, if you're listening, I really love this. Uh, it says, when you know who you are in Christ, you don't want to be anyone else. That is dead on accurate if I've ever heard it. It's so true. I can't sustain being somebody else, but I can be me. And when God's on it, into new areas, it's fun. Sometimes in the beginning, you the pruning shears come out and you're like, oh, how's this going to go? That doesn't sound like fun. The strength and the authority on the other side, I'm like, bring on the clippers. Like, you got more than one? Let's just do this all at once. Because it's fun when you get to be who God created you to be. It's limitless. No restrictions. God's your guide and your, your, your boundaries. When I say no restrictions, I mean no restrictions of fear. It's fun. It's a joy. You get to have a lot of fun. Okay, so let's jump back in. Because after all, we're talking about a guy named Simeon. Okay, so jumping back in. You're, you're, you're holding in. I, I've been holding in. Jake, I'm sticking with it. That's great. Say, say the night's ending, so to speak. The darkness is lifting and the sun's rising and you're seeing God fulfill his promise in your life. That's a great feeling. When you've held on to something until you see it happen, there's nothing like that. It's amazing. It's like a big woo-hoo. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Like someone's seen God come through in their life. It's fun. You, it happens and you're like, this is great. Can we do this more often? <laughs> more in awesome. But if you stop there, you'll have stopped short by a lot. Go back to the story of Simeon. Look what's happening. Look what's happening in and around that moment of a promise being fulfilled. Because there's stuff for us to learn there. Remove the names. Look what's happening. Simeon was told by God, you're going to see my Messiah come. That's it. That's what we have recorded. So Simeon's got to be wondering, is this going to be from afar? Like, am I going to barely be able to make out his description? going to be something that passes by and Holy Spirit's like, yep, that was him. <laughs> you know, like, you got to be wondering, like, what's he going to look like? Are more people going to recognize who he is? Am I going to be in a sea of people trying to get a glimpse of the Messiah? Like God just said, I just see him. I don't think he had a clue that he was going to be able to hold the Savior of the world in his arms as a baby. It didn't look like what he thought it was going to look like. What you think God's going to do, how you think God's going to answer something, just put that on the shelf and enjoy what he does because it'll be better than you could expect. Did you catch that? Simeon got to be that close. In your life, there is such a closeness when it happens. That's why you hang in there. Because when it happens, all of that trust and all that vulnerability that you've invested in God, believing that this, what you spoke in God, is going to, the, 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 the payback, the reward on that trust and vulnerability is just so you feel seen, you feel heard, you feel close, you feel loved. Not that you weren't before, but God opens up your eyes to really actually realizing what's currently happening. There's a closeness that comes, but that's not it. What else happens next? 
more revelation, insight, understanding of who God is and who God will be comes out of Simeon's mouth. He gives the mom and dad a word and then the mom the word. So when the promise is fulfilled, that's a lot of spit. Sorry, guys. <laughs> when the promise is fulfilled, you see a closeness. You see that, that moment. They marveled. It touched. It moved them. There was a closeness. Then you get to see more of who God is. Hang on. And when you press through and you say to the devil, Thor's that way, but I'm standing right here. And he moves and he goes, and that happens. God reveals more to you, more of who he is. That's not even it. Look what keeps happening. Anna comes in, and she, seeing what happens, she's a prophet. She sees what happens, and then she turns around, and she tells everybody who's been eagerly awaiting for the Messiah's return. And in some of your translations, it'll say, uh, everybody who had an ear to hear. So here's the deal. So you stick it out. You see God pull through. It changes who you are. You feel close to who God is. He reveals more to you of who he is because the relationship is deepening. Depth comes, comes by holding on. comes by sticking it out. And then here's what you do. You turn around and you give it away. Generously. You give it away to anybody who's open. Anybody who's left that door open was waiting on God to away. Generosity. And you'll get more. Why? Because a good steward will get more to If you've only associated stewarding and generosity with finances, resources, and time, you've gotten a fraction of it. Anything that comes from God is to be stewarded well. Anything. More insight, more revelation. The relationship just keeps getting deeper and deeper. That's how you grow in the Lord. You stick with what he said. And when you don't see it, you stick with what he said. And when you don't feel it, you stick with what he said. And when it turns out differently than you thought it would, keep your eyes open and watch to see how he's going to do it his way. See, we get to say yes to God. We get to choose all of this. Like what I'm presenting to you is a choice. You get to choose it. But here's the part that we often forget. God chooses where it starts. God chooses what it's like. Why? Because he knows where all the roots are. So we say yes to God and expect it to look like this. When in reality, he's doing something different. And I love this. You've been given Christ. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You know, it's just the spirit of God that led him. That's important because oftentimes my intellect is going to play out. That's what leads me. And then when I don't see it happen the way I want to, I get a silly goose of an attitude and I wither. I don't grow. I get bitter. But you see, when I let the spirit lead and open my eyes and go, oh, it's the baby. Oh, my gosh. Look at it. Turns around. Praise the Lord. 
I've seen. If you feel like your intellect and your intelligence lead you, you ain't going to go far. And over time, your growth over the years will be measured in millimeters. Nick, Daniel, worship team, work with me. Could you guys come up here for a second? Or not for a second, just come on up here. Okay. A lot of times in, I mentioned several settings. It's in worship. Any moment that I'm just stopping to recognize who God is, any moment I'm stopping to give God the glory, the focus, the attention. Any moment I stop and do that, there's room for God to speak to me. If you have to have a pastor, a pastor, a teacher, or someone in front of you, and that's the only way, you're missing out. Worship song that just tugs in your heart, you really connect with. You have the sniffles, you have that beautiful moment with God in worship, and you leave and you tell everybody about this great moment you had in worship. I want to tell you something. God's tugging on your heart. The Spirit's the sea right now. Think about it. I'm singing about God as my redeemer. Okay, let's go further. Lord, what are you wanting to redeem in my life? Ah, you've taken the hand. Now God can lead you because that's where he's starting. You didn't see it coming for something through the, the message, but God hit you in worship. Now, so, so often we overlook that. We look for someone else to spoon feed it. I'm just going to call it as I see it. And we look for someone to spoon feed it when God in reality goes, I've got so much more that I want to share here and now. He chooses the when and he chooses the how. Okay. That was the message I had for this morning. That was the, the teaching God led me to for this morning. But I want to share this. I have a word for our church for you in the room and it's this when God's tugging on your heart even if you can't make it all out but you recognize there's some form of a pull that's the spirit leading you God is saying stop giving me a high five momentary connection momentary response it's great while you're here but you leave here you feel a tug in your spirit. You feel a tug in your heart because God wants your hand. I want to lead you. I know you want to get further than where you are, and I want to lead you. So when that happens, do whatever you got to do. That's you taking a hold of that hand. And run with it until, get this, until you see that what God is speaking actually a part of who you are. You gotta hold on to it a lot tighter than an hour. You gotta really run with it. I have one more. Say you did this at some point and it didn't turn out how you thought it was going to, and you withdrew, and you held back, and you stopped. You stopped believing, you stopped hoping, you stopped. Something stopped. The gifts and calling of God 
cannot be revoked. He said that. That means the devil can't touch it. The only person standing in the way is you. So if that was the case, God is saying, get back up, get back in. He wants you on the field, not on the bench. You put you there, he did not. A loss is not a disqualifier. Missing it isn't a disqualifier. You get pruned from getting it right and you get pruned from getting it wrong. That means you grow from both. So if that was you, whatever that looks like this morning, pick up the calling of God in your life, hold on to it, you're going to have a lot of fun. Everybody please stand.